On today's episode, we speak with a dedicated young woman who overcomes her struggles and challenges by finding courage and living with no regrets. She's the founder and CEO of Mogul, an extraordinary award-winning company that supports diverse individuals and organizations to achieve their goals and cultivate meaningful success. She's a self-starter and a high achiever who walks to the beat of her own drum. We are so pleased to have Tiffany Pham joining us today on the show. And now introducing your host, co-founder and president of Women Leadership Nation, Jennifer Latticer. So ever since I met you, I've been so inspired, honest. I finished reading both of your books. Amazing. Yeah. And oh my God, there's, there's just so much there. And I, I definitely so excited to be able to, to talk to you about Mogul and, and more about what you're doing, because I think that so many people need to, to hear about it and, and certainly read your books for sure. So maybe for those that don't know, heard of Mogul, maybe do you mind maybe telling me a little bit about what made you decide to start this incredible company and really what is behind this incredible name as well? Thank you. Absolutely. What inspired me and who is actually behind the name is my grandmother, my family. She was so amazing, an amazing mogul to me. This incredible woman who was one of the first women to drive a car in Vietnam, who ran newspapers, businesses across Asia. And she was always looking to provide others in need with information and opportunities. And I wanted to be just like her growing up, just like her, this amazing mogul herself. So I ended up growing up later on in Paris, France, because of the war. My parents ended up there, grew up there. But my parents always worried about me that since I was a minority, I wouldn't have opportunities like those around me. So they started to watch American movies, and they started to fall in love with America. What if we moved there? Perhaps they, our children, me, would ultimately have more opportunities, they hoped. So ultimately... They ended up moving me and my siblings, our family, when I was 10 years old from Paris, France to Plano, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Quite quite a stark difference, but you know, that's an amazing experience at such a young age, right? Definitely. I look back and I'm so grateful for it because it was probably what was the start of um, molding my personality into one that is very flexible, very easygoing, very attuned to cultural change, very loving of cultures, many cultures. And so I encourage that for all future parents to be able to, you know, mold their children in this way by exposing them to a lot of different cultures, hopefully different many cultural shocks early on. Absolutely. So what happened was that then I ended up in Plano and then ended up watching TV shows like Friends and I Love Lucy, and I could see for myself how powerful the world around us could be for learning and education, since that's how I ended up learning English. And then ultimately, when I was 14 years old, that's when my entire life changed. That was the year that my biggest role model in life, my grandmother, ended up passing away young, unexpectedly. Well, yeah, that's hard. It is amazing how when um, I know I look at what shifted my life as well and losing my father was very impactful so it is amazing how certain life events alter you know your direction and also perspective and and from reading your book it gave you it seems like it gave you that extra drive although you seem like a very ambitious woman so but it really pushed you didn't it it absolutely did 
it pushed me so much. It was one of those turning points where I aspired to be like her. I wanted to rebuild all that she had built. I wanted to follow in her footsteps, to push people forward, to help women around the world gain access to more opportunities and jobs as she had. I wanted to be just like her. And I made that promise when I was 14. And I said that no matter how hard or challenging, I would spend the rest of my life working towards this goal and mission too. So ever since then, since I was 14, that's all I've ever worked towards. And then by age 16, I didn't quite know what next to do, but I happened to watch a TV show called Gilmore Girls. And I thought maybe that's what I could do next to be like my grandmother. When I saw Rory Gilmore go off to college and run the school newspaper there, just like my grandmother had run. When I saw that, this character who I was so much like, who was so studious and serious and dedicated to her work, when I saw her do exactly what my grandmother had done, I thought, this is it. This is what I should do. But I didn't really have the money to go visit colleges or even go to college. So I secretly ended up writing a letter to Yale asking for a chance if they could just let me in. I knew I could do this one day. And then one day they wrote me back after months of silence saying that they were going to let me in on a major scholarship. So that day that I stepped on, on Yale campus, my first time ever was my very first day of class. I'd not even seen it once before my first day of class. It's amazing that if you have the vision and you have the goal in mind, it's unbelievable what you can actually accomplish. Just to think back of when you were in France, thinking that would be your life one day, you could probably wouldn't have imagined that, but so impressive. Thank you. Thank you. And absolutely, it was something that I could have never imagined, you know, ultimately uh, going from where I was to where I became that day. And And so I was very excited, but ultimately had many challenges along the way, including there. What happened was when I was there, my very first year, because I was introverted, because I had come from public school, I felt like I didn't fit in. I ultimately really struggled that first year trying to make an impact, trying to share my voice. I didn't do either. I came back to Plano, was really disappointed in myself, and I made myself promise from then on I would never regret a single moment of my life ever again. I would always step up to the plate. I had to be like my grandmother. I had to speak up. I had to share my voice. I promised I would go after any opportunity. And so came back to Yale my second year. I did. I stepped up to the plate. I went after any opportunity, small, large. And one of them was the school newspaper. I ended up running that school newspaper, just like Rory, just like my grandmother, bringing it actually from bankruptcy to record profitability within six months, because as it turned out, it had been in significant debt when I stepped on and I had to turn things around. And that showed me I really could be like her. I really could if I tried. That's incredible. So I, I wonder, you know, sometimes when you have these, these goals and you actually accomplish it, how did you feel? Like, did you feel, you know, it's, it's surprising. Sometimes you'll accomplish it and you feel like, wow, now what next? Because you feel like, you can, you, you almost get that sense, that empowering feeling that you can almost do anything after that. How, how did that feel for you? It was a magnificent, a magnificent feeling. One in which, you know, I really thought that I would spend the rest of my life following in her footsteps and to know that I had taken the first foot and I actually was able to step into that footstep um, was a really, really proud moment. Um, so especially because I was timid and introverted and I come from such a background in which I didn't feel like I fit in. 
you know, to know that I could do this, I really could be like her. It, uh, it really was uh, one of the proudest moments of my life, even though, you know, it sounds funny to say, because since then, someone might look at all that I've accomplished thereafter and think that, you know, some of the things I've done since are so much bigger and better. But no, going back to that time in college, it's still one of the most, you know, impactful moments I've had in my life. Um, one that set up the blueprint for who I am today. Yeah, that's really touching because, yeah, I mean, you you have accomplished so much, but I can I can see your perspective on that because that's almost like the opening of the gates for you, and it's also so deeply personal. But you know, really in life, what I, at least I find is what really drives at least me as well is is something that you you can associate that's deeper, right? And that relationship with your your grandmother and and just even with yourself knowing that you can kind of break through some of those um, things that might be holding you back. What would you say to anybody that's younger now that might be in a similar situation to you that, you know, what were maybe one or two things that that really helped you to get that confidence in the first place? I think there were a couple of things I did to build up confidence, courage. First, earlier on in my life, this helped somewhat, but there are still more things to share. The concept of failing forward really helped. Uh, Mm -hmm. My father very early on had taught me that it was okay to fail. So long as you were failing forward, so long as you were learning, everything was okay. So long as you were learning, you were succeeding. So I learned very early on to go after it, to go do things, to not worry about failing. So long as I was learning, I was succeeding. And I would forget no's right away very quickly, very easily, mostly because I have a bad short-term memory. <laughs> so I can forget no's quite quickly. But over time, you know, I learned you know, different methods in which to really effectively help others turn down and forget no's as well and focus on yeses. So I definitely want to talk about that further later. Uh, but ultimately, you know, you got to learn to fail forward. You got to know that so long as you're trying, you're succeeding, you're learning. And you got to learn to forget those no's, shut it away, throw out the no, focus on the yeses, keep going for the yeses, really try to effectively shut away those yeses into a different part of your mind. And so ultimately, um, you know, that was a big part of um, how I built an early on determination, resilience, courage, confidence, but ultimately courage, I believe is a muscle. It's a skill set. It's a it's a practice. You have to practice it to build it up, that muscle. And so what I mean by that is, for example, thereafter, after you ended up later on at Harvard Business School, and there I became one of the youngest students. I was totally feeling out of my league as usual. My first year didn't fit in. Everyone seemed to be so on top of it, so wise, because they were so much older. Um, they had a lot more experience. It seemed to me, at least it felt. And so I felt a little bit out of my league and I rarely spoke up, but that's an issue at Harvard Business School because your grade largely depends on how many times you speak up. Literally, actually, your grade solely depends on how many times you raise your hand and speak up, not even on tests or projects or anything like that. It's about how many times you speak up. So at first I wouldn't speak up, I wouldn't raise my hand, but then I had to. So it forced myself, I forced myself to raise my hand every single class, every point I had in my mind, I would speak up, I would raise my hand and ask to be caught upon uh, through that motion 
And that courage built itself up. And every single day I learned to do that. And every single time I got caught upon having to force myself to say the answer, to say what was on my mind, ultimately became a recurring habit. And that habit became confidence. So courage is a muscle that when you practice it will become then that habit that becomes confidence. So you got to go for it. You got to speak up. You got to force yourself. I love that. And, you know, in your book, you talk about, you know, for those that are trying to get that courage as well, you talk about the strategy of preparing and how you would show up to class well prepared as well, ready to talk. And so um, I think it's great. I think you need to step out and like you said, do something that scares you and have that courage. And part of what can help you build that up is, um, as you were saying, is really continuing to, to build the muscle and practicing it. And also taking the time to prepare because, you know, certainly if anything that I've learned in life, it's nothing comes easy that's worthwhile. And sometimes you need some hard work in there. And certainly that's, you're not shy of that. I really admire that in you. You're a very hard worker. Thank you, Jennifer. Really appreciate it. And so are you. <laughs> Incredibly hard. At what point did you feel like, or have, did you ever get to a point where you felt like, yeah, I fit in, or was that ever really important to you? You know, I feel like I, I didn't ever feel like I fit in. In fact, by the end of my time at Harvard, I distinctly remember a woman, a very now successful woman as well, named Helen, turning to me and saying, you know what I admire you most about you, Tiffany, is that you march to the beat of your own drum meaning like everyone else was pursuing paths in investment banking and consulting. And I was one of the few pursuing entrepreneurship. And even within that, one of the few pursuing, of course, technology and, and uh, one uh, technology and media in a way uh, combined in order to help people worldwide. And so it was already such a rare occurrence to to be who I was, female, minority, um, you know, Asian, younger uh, within the class. So I already didn't feel, in, fit, feel like I fit in. And yet even more so by the time we ended school, everyone pursuing traditional paths in, in banking and consulting and then myself pursuing entrepreneurship. But how did I actually finally come to feel like I fit in at Harvard Business School? Well, now eight years later, I actually uh, became the first within my class to lead a company that then subsequently has now had uh, a case study from Harvard Business School written about it. That's amazing. And you know, like, like you say, there's so much strength from being able to say, you know what, maybe I don't fit certain molds in life that, and it actually gives you that competitive advantage and you certainly achieve so much and having that case study that's that's another point in your life I'm sure where you just like wow you must sometimes just say wow <laughs> it's amazing it's funny because it definitely was a um, beautiful moment of you know life coming full circle to be back with the professors that yeah. you know had taught me now teaching about me and our you know incredible journey with mogul to all future students, to all current students, and, and we'll be doing so for all future years. So it's a huge honor to be a part of now um, their institution and, and to, continue, to continue to be able to give back to the school that shaped me and its future students as well. 
So now maybe getting into to Mogul, really, for those that aren't familiar with the company, do you mind giving us a little background and, and how you came up with the idea and the concept and certainly the name as well? I know there's some amazing things behind the name. Well, the name came about because when I was at Harvard Business School, a lot of my friends would refer to me as the media mogul, the mogul. And I always thought of my grandmother as that mogul. So to me, that word was such a powerful term of endearment, was such a beautiful word. And then when I left, and then I went out into the real world and ultimately found myself in you know, very male-dominated spaces, I started to look up the word. And I started to realize that actually the word, when Googled, led to search results whereby the first six pages of search results would be Warren Buffett, Donald Trump, Rupert Murdoch, Mark Zuckerberg, I'm sure, you know, all sorts of male names, men's names that ultimately led you to page six until finally you would see a woman's name. And so when I saw that, I thought to myself, well, we have to address this issue. And today, if you Google the word mogul, we have been the search result for many years now. We are the search result, number one search result today. If you Google the word mogul, we are the number one search result helping to redefine the word for the next generation of girls and women to know that they can be moguls too. Yeah, that's amazing. And just like you said, with who, you know, some of uh, the mentors that you've had in your life, you know, certainly young women that are Googling that word now, if you, you know, you can see it and you can believe you can be it. And I think that that what you've achieved has significant impact felt far beyond what we could probably even measure. Congratulations for that. For those who aren't aware of what Mogul is all about, do you mind giving us a little bit of insight into what Mogul is about and what the future holds? So today, Mogul has become one of the largest platforms for women and diverse talent worldwide. And what we do is we ultimately cultivate that talent to become the best talent possible. We enable them to through our resources, reach for their goals, realize their full potential, and enable the world to unlock its full potential. So what do we do? We provide them with an incredible micro-community within their skill sets, whether they're in HR or sales or engineering or finance. If they're executive level, whatever sector they belong in or level they belong in, they can communicate and network with each other directly. And of course, communicate with the overarching global community as well. They also gain access to job opportunities, board roles. They gain access to learning sessions with the C-suite, virtual events, all of which culminate again to create this incredible ecosystem of resources for talent to reach the top. But at our core, we are a B2B software company. So we ultimately do provide companies with the ability to attract, retain, advance our talent from our ecosystem into their own workforces by enabling them through providing them tools to gain access to this talent, to retain them that talent thereafter through subsequent other resources, and then subsequently thereafter advance them as well. These are all software-based tools and resources and can go into more detail thereafter. But um, our most powerful tool of all is the very first one, which is for talent acquisition a tool that enables our partners to post opportunities at scale across our ecosystem and draw our talent in into their applicant tracking system, bringing in much more diverse talent pools to become more diverse applicants, more diverse offers, leading to 74.4% more diverse 
workforces as a result across our clients on average. And so that's one of our three tools and softwares mentioned that ultimately, again, leads to more diverse workforces overall for our clients. That's why we service over 480 Fortune 1000 clients at this time. We have an incredible substantive uh, pool of clients and HR collaborators that we work with across Amazon, Inta, MasterCard, Nike, Stanley Black and Decker, and many more. Um, and all of that leads us to significant revenue levels that enable us to then, as the final part of Mogul, to then create a social impact. With every dollar that we earn, we signed a partnership with the United Nations that ultimately enables us, with the dollars we earn, to provide free educational resources to women in need through the United Nations across the countries whereby the UN has offices and to other organizations worldwide as well. And ultimately, as a result, be able to provide free educational resources and more to millions of women worldwide each year. So that's a little bit more about who we are as an organization. Again, largest platform for women, diverse talent worldwide, profitable B2B software company, aiding companies to be able to attract, retain, and advance top talent with then the ability to provide out for educational resources to women worldwide through the United Nations and more. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's um, certainly, you know, uh, we see too a lot of companies that, you know, they don't necessarily know where to start in terms of closing the gender gap. And certainly one of the critical areas, and, and certainly your tool helps with that, is ensuring that you're getting the right people in the door from the beginning as well as, you know, you're supporting these amazing women from around the world. And I know I've, I've seen um, on the site just some of the comments. You can tell you're really making a positive impact. That must, that must make you feel so good when you read some of the comments from the women all around the world. Are there any stories you'd want to share of, you know, some of the experiences or... Experiences of helping women worldwide? Yeah, like any, and I know certainly, I mean, just certainly some some women that maybe never thought that they would have access to some yes. of the education. So many amazing women, you know, sharing that through different parts of Mogul, whatever it may have been, whether it's through the United Nations resources or whether it's through the platform itself and all the resources we offer there, through the community, through the jobs, through the learning and events sharing that it's changed their lives. Um, my favorite letter from Pakistan being that it's a young girl saying, I'm just 16 years old and here girl's life is all about marriage. The mogul proves that we are more than what they say. And now, you know, I'm kind of a feminist and I love, love, love this mogul. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, amazing. that's one of my favorite as well. <laughs> so, I mean, with all the success and all your hard work, I have to ask you in terms of how do you balance work-life priorities in your life today? What recommendations do you have for women? Certainly, especially right now with COVID. Work-life balance is definitely difficult, uh, but ultimately that's because I believe in work-life integration. And I think that uh, being able to marry as many things as you can between work-life ultimately will be what enables you to bring in as much as you can within one whole. Um, what I mean by that is, for example, with Mogul, I am very lucky to collaborate with many of my, what are now my closest friends in the world, so that then, you know, ultimately I'm able to continue to have strong friendships and relationships um, as a result of working hard. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to bring those all together into one. 
with family, you know, ultimately um, bringing them, them into the fold, bringing them into uh, all that I work on and that I do is one way to, you know, continue to have strong family relationships. Uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's one in which, um, you know, I'm also able to plan out my time throughout the day, working hard to then also carve out time at night to every single night, you know, spend time with my father or mother, uh, whoever may be available, um, at least for one to two hours a night. And uh, if, if that's just through eating dinner together or watching something together, at least um, that's, you know, and yet another way in which I systematically am able to build in family life to ensure strong ties. That's also the case for exercise, for sleep. It requires at the end of the day, again, integration all throughout the day and ultimately some pretty effective planning, to be honest as well. Um, And, uh, but lastly, I think what does help significantly is when you do build in um, a work-life integration by having a remote opportunity. I do have to admit that obviously with the world going remote, it's I'm sure during this time frame helped so many people realize that work-life integration is more possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe in some instances it's helped the opposite, in fact, but because actually it does depend on each person's situation. But in my situation, work-life integration was even further helped by a lack of commute, by saving you know three hours a day on commuting and I was working you know, probably I was in community at least 15 hours more per week, which times four was 60 more hours per month. Now I can attribute 60 more hours of commute time to now family instead or relationships instead or working out or baking or whatever it may be. So I hope, you know, a lot more companies will consider that. So I want to ask you sort of some final questions in terms of, because this is something um, that I'm very passionate about and interested in as well as really how do we help companies to close the gender gap? And certainly from your perspective, what are some of the things that you're seeing in terms of, you know, that are bar- are still barriers for women in terms of advancing their careers? Are there a few things that you can think of that are still something that we really need to overcome before we start to see some significant progress? I definitely still see, unfortunately, that there is a lack of representation of women at the top of the Fortune 500 of major companies. And I think that is something we can absolutely change. I think California law has, of course, mandated that uh, more women be placed on board of directors. And that's certainly a change. I think more legislation could help in that issue because that law has been super effective in companies uh, requiring them of themselves to do fully diversified searches when they recruit uh, for board members. So instead of bringing in someone from the network, just directly bringing in someone that they know, now they truly are looking for the best of the best, and that will include women, and that will be there for a female leader that deserves that spot on the board. And so I think the legislation and encouraging legislation of our states and of our nations, wherever we may be in the world, is key. And then at the very top of companies, uh, the C-suite, not the board, 
also requiring of companies to run fully diversified searches. 90% of senior positions right now are attained through networking, but the network of senior level positions are 85% of the time held by men. So we are requiring women to 90% of the time have to network with a non-diverse network to get to the top. So Mogul is one of the solutions, as are there are other solutions in the world as well, whereby companies that work with us can get access to, therefore, top leaders, female leaders all around the world, and therefore ensure that when they're recruiting for that C-suite, that they are including women in that search. And as a result, um, will therefore be considering the best of the best, whoever deserves it, um, will get that role, and it, it will be women. Um, so with Mogul and other companies working alongside each other to help this global issue, we can hopefully accelerate women to the top leadership positions at a much faster rate than we will otherwise reach today. Today, at the current rate, we'll reach the very top. At 2085, we'll reach parity with men in top leadership positions. Within another 100 years, 2152, we'll reach parity with men in terms of wages. So with Mogul and other companies, we can hopefully accelerate that rate to be much faster than what it will otherwise be. And so, you know, um, honestly, your, your platform provides so much value. And so for any women that are listening as well, and that want to be, you know, become part of that platform, it's, it's free to join, right? So it is, uh, two choices free to join or else $59 a year in order to gain access to the micro network. Not just the overarching global network, but the micro network of very senior level women in the world, uh, VP and above. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's so valuable. What an investment to, in your career to be able to become part of that environment. So, uh, you know, final last question is looking back on your whole journey, what would you have told your younger self? What advice would you give your younger self? I think I would tell her, tell myself to trust my gut because that is always going to end at the end of the day, be what you need to trust and ultimately bring you to the right decision. And if it doesn't, then you have no regrets because at least you trusted yourself and your first instincts. And ultimately um, there's no regrets from, from believing in yourself and, and trusting yourself in your gut. I guess what I mean to say is that the opposite in life, you know, can sometimes lead to consequences um, if you don't trust your gut, if you don't trust yourself, you don't believe in yourself. Experience upside from the op- from from doing so. Absolutely, I think that's great. I think I think we can all relate to times in our life where we didn't trust it and we wish we had of. <laughs> I think that's where we have a real advantage too is because, you know, we certainly in life, we need to, we need to be able to build confidence in our, our ability to, to really believe in ourselves and, and our intuition, right? Moving forward. So that's excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and sharing some of your insights. I'm, for anybody that's uh, interested in learning more about Mogul, I will be posting the website as well. And Tiffany, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was so wonderful speaking and so much fun today. So thank you so much again for having me.
Thank you for listening to the Women Leadership Nation Breaking Barriers podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. We want to help you continue to learn and grow. Visit WLNAcademy.com and sign up for our mailing list to keep in touch with us and receive invaluable resources, exclusive content, weekly updates, and new podcast episodes delivered right to your inbox. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep breaking barriers.